When is a horse more than just a horse? When it carries more than just a rider and saddle? When it carries the love of a deceased mother for her soon-to-be teenage daughter? We'll introduce you to the six-year-old gelding named Roos and her 12-year-old owner, Hannah Schlank. Plus a wrap-up of that little race that happened in Louisville recently. Maybe you heard about it. In the gate is straight ahead. They're in the gate. They're in the gate. In the gate. They're in the gate. It's a head-bobbing finish! This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on the Pink Podcatcher app as well on your phone. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. We'll have a Kentucky Derby recap coming in just a few short minutes. Now, I think I know how I would feel if I ever reached the Derby winner's circle as an owner, but I can't possibly imagine what it would feel like to compete, much less to win, with a horse that symbolizes the love that I have for someone very, very close to me. Through just like that, went from six up to challenge for the lead as they straighten away for the stretch drive, and Rue cuts him on down. Rue and Orlando Mojica by the 316th pole in front by a head. Son of a monster cat, tenaciously still on the inside. Rue trying to hold. Hello, people, trying to run him down late. They race down to the wire. Rue from Hello, people. Rue and Hello, people, and a nose bobbing finish here. Rue to the inside. Hello, people. Number six, Rue hanging on to get the victory. That's not the Kentucky Derby, to you and me, but to 12-year-old Hannah Schlenk of Granite City, Illinois, that race means more than the run for the Roses. You see, Roos is not just the six-year-old gelding who won the third race at Turfway Park near Cincinnati on a Friday night in February. Roos means a whole lot more to Hannah. Her mother, Jamie, owned that horse. Then, Jamie died of cancer just before Labor Day last year. Shortly after that, at 12 years old, Hannah Schlenk took out her owner's license, came up with her own color scheme, and with the help from her father, Damon, who's a groom, Hannah Schlenk now officially campaigns Roos. The story of that victory spread far and wide, even getting a mention in the Mauritius Turf Club newsletter. Who knew there was one? In case you're wondering, Mauritius is an island nation off the eastern coast of Africa. But we don't have to go nearly that far to track down this very special young lady. Hannah Schlenk, owner Hannah Schlenk, joins us here on In the Gate. Hannah, tell us about how you became an owner of a horse at 12 years old. Well, I inherited her, him from my mom. Uh, she, had just, she passed away on uh, September 1st, and then... It was in her name for a little while, and then we got switched over. That must have been really hard on your family. How did you handle that? What What did she have? She had cancer. All right, well, see, what, what we're getting here is something that I experience a lot with my 13-year-old son, that young people don't like talking to old people. So 
We have a bunch of really cool young people here with us to ask Hannah about horse racing. We're going to start with Antoinette Bodie of Monrovia, California, who's 12 years old, lives not too far from Santa Anita, and rides hunter jumpers and goes to the racetrack a couple of times a year with the family. Hello, Antoinette. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Why don't you say hi to Hannah, and let's see what you'd like to ask her. Okay. Hi, Hannah. Hi. Okay, I was wondering, do you use the same silks your mom used? Uh, no. Like, you don't? What color silks do you use? Pink and green. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Um, do you have any other horses? Uh, yes. What are their names? Uh, LaBella is her name. Aw, that's so cute. Is she a thoroughbred? Yeah, but she's not in my name. She's in my best friend's dad's name. Aw, what's the connection you have with Ruth, the horse that won at Turfway Park? Like, what kind of connection? Yeah, like um, like a personal connection. We're really close. Aw, okay, those are all the questions I had. Okay. Thank you so much, Antoinette. Josh Taylor is with us as well. He is part of the tailor-made family that runs the sales and the uh, farm. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. What question do you have for Hannah? I have a couple. Uh, one question is about the race. What were you thinking when Hello People was rushing you on the outside? Well, Ruth can beat them. That's awesome. I saw the photo finish. Were you, like, super nervous when the photo finish when, uh, the yeah. came out? What was going through your mind? What did you think was going to happen when that race was happening? I thought he was going to get beat by a nose. Uh, when you were younger, did you ever think that you would be a owner of a racehorse? Yeah. So it's kind of been your dream all along? Yeah. What were you thinking when the gates opened and the race started? I know what I would have a ton of adrenaline and stuff. Yeah, same. Like, my heart was pumping really fast. And what were you like? What did you feel when you were running down to the winner's circle? I felt really excited. Well, that's all the questions I have. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. We also are so pleased to have with us Lane Brogdon, who is ten years old, lives in Lexington, Kentucky, and is part of the Mockmer Hall family that bred Teppin and Flat Out. Lane, how are you? Good. What would you like to say to Hannah? Um, I've thought of, like, doing, like, a jumper show, like, showing in jumpers. No, that's my only question. Oh, that's okay, sweetie. Thank you so much for being part of the show. Now, your family only deals with thoroughbreds, right, Hannah? Because she brings up an interesting point. A lot of people do more than just thoroughbred racing. Have you given any thought to jumpers or anything anything else bell racing <laughs> uh how hard was it to take out an owner's license being 12 years old was it hard no <laughs> did anybody look at you and say gee you're 12 years old you know nobody gave you any kind of a, a, a second look yeah actually they did <laughs> kind of frustrating 
what ended up happening? Like, what kinds of questions did you get? Just, like, um, how I became owner and how did, like, I don't know how to explain it, but, like, I felt frustrated because everybody kept asking me questions and everything. Did you feel a little self-conscious? Yeah. How much do you think about your mom when you see Ruse? A lot. How much do you miss her? A lot. I got your number, I got your dad's number, from the trainer for whom your dad works, Mr. Obermeyer, Vernon Obermeyer. Yes. How important has Mr. and Mrs. Obermeyer been to your family since your mom got sick and then passed away? Well, like, we've been helping her with her uh, babies that were just born. So, like, she lets me mess with the horses out at her farm. They've been really helpful. Well, thank you all so, so much. This is one of the coolest things we've ever done on this show. Well, thank you. Thank you. We're going to take a short break here on In the Gate, but when we come back, we'll discuss always dreaming victory in the Kentucky Derby, so don't go anywhere. Streaming has moved outside of State of Honor and is putting in a bid for the lead with just a half mile to go in the run for the Roses. Irish War Cry is poised on their outside, and Battle of Midway is right there, too. They're racing for the final furlong. Always dreaming, digging down deep on a two-length lead. Looking at Lee, wanders off the rail. Now with three lengths to make up and a 16th to go. But always dreaming is digging down and always dreaming is holding on. Looking at Lee, can't catch always dreaming, who's the 143rd winner of the Kentucky Derby. It was one for 45. Now it's two for 48. But that two is a big one as Always Dreaming takes the 143rd Kentucky Derby. Let's break it down from a number of different standpoints. I don't even know where to start here with our friend Bobby Halt, who operates the New York Hot List Handicapping Service. Bob, I have to think that the rain played a huge factor here because there were a lot of big choices that finished way up the track. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, but uh, I think there's another side to that. If, say, looking at Lee had won the race, if Battle of Midway, who was third, if he wins the race, then I think you say, boy, the track really threw, uh, threw everything into confusion. Point is, regardless of what you, whatever people say about the track, the horse who was favored, the horse who was expected to win, he did win. Now, yeah, I think some horses had some bad trips, didn't like the track. You're going to hear that. Oh, my gosh, how many times are you going to hear that? Oh, my horse didn't like the track. And it was a, it was some rough, rough uh, start for a few of them. But, you know, I, I think when you watch the race, when you look back and remember the Florida Derby that he won with consummate ease on a dry track, uh, I don't think this is exaggerator who needs a wet track to win. I, I'm not sure if they really would have beaten him if it was a dry track maybe who's second and third might be different, but I'm not so sure that the outcome, I think he was the best horse and certainly he should have been a little bit vulnerable. This was only the second time he's running a stake, but uh, he shows some great tenacity on, you know, running close to, and then on the lead and pulled away when he needed to. So that, you know, this could be a very top quality horse that I think can win regardless of the racetrack. I know the Kentucky Derby is not a popularity contest. It's who crosses the finish line first. But in the way this is going to resonate with the public, you have a trainer here who is 
incredibly successful but very corporate and not very expressive. You have a co-owner in Vincent Viola who is a very easy guy to root for and a very big sportsman, no doubt. But Anthony Bonomo, the chairman of the New York Racing Association, was involved in a political scandal a couple of years ago, indicted for offering a high-powered politician's son a no-show summer job. So I just wonder how warm and fuzzy this whole always dreaming story is going to be going forward. Well, you know, you, you usually if you uh, dig deep enough, you're going to find something in somebody's closet. And, and certainly, yeah, that is there in terms of the partnership. I think, though, what's going to happen is I, I think this triple crown is going to belong to Pletcher. I think he's going to be the story uh, because, you know, everybody made light of his of his record. And Todd, I, I give Todd a tremendous amount of credit. I mean, I know it's easy when you won $300 million in purses, but Todd has handled questions about that streak in the Derby for the last seven or eight years with a lot of clients. He doesn't, he handles it. You ask him a question about the, the, the streak, he'll answer it. Now you go up to some of these baseball players or, or NFL quarterbacks, ask them about their, oh, you're one for 30 in a, in a hitting slump. Oh, you've only, you know, you've only won one Super Bowl. They'll blow up at you. He's handled things, I think, very well, and he's very reserved. If you get to know him, Todd has a very good sense of humor. He just doesn't like to show it, and I think, in a sense, you give him a lot of credit for that because when you're in a spotlight like him, people kind of are they are looking for something to kind of take you down, and the streak has been something that's been thrown in his face countless times, but he's always handled it. I've never seen him blow up or give a snide answer or anything like that to it. He's answered it honestly you know, saying, well, maybe, you know, this is the time. And it is. So as I say, yeah, I see that in the ownership group, you have some, some different characters. Even have Terry Finley in there. Terry's a good guy. He's, an, you know, from West Point uh, Thoroughbreds. It's a mixed group there. But I, I have a feeling this is going to be owned by Todd because if he does win the Preakness, now he's going for the Triple Crown. And that's kind of what you expect from a guy who's won $300 million in, in uh, purses that he's going to be shooting for a triple crown. And I think that that's going to push some of the other kind of shadier things in the background. Now, I know that Big Brown won the Kentucky Derby in 2008 off only three prior starts, but we know that despite the fact that horses are trained nowadays with races running more infrequently and they have fewer starts by the time they reach the Derby, that it takes seasoning in order to get this done. And you could see right off the break when McCracken and Classic Empire just ran to daylight and bounced off each other, and neither one was really ready for that hard physical pounding that you'd have to take in order to win this race. And Classic Empire did a good job to finish fourth, but McCracken was way back in eighth. And I just think that this underscores where seasoning really needs to come into play. Yeah, you want, I mean, horses need to get sometimes education in, in these races where they have things to overcome. And and I think it, it's interesting that you bring up the point of Classic Empire came back, did better than McCracken. I thought Classic Empire got a pretty good education in his last race, the Arkansas Derby, where he was behind horses. He had to come out. Uh, he showed some nice late kick to win that race. I, I thought he did get a little bit of an education in that race. And, and I think it really kind of, I think that may have explained why he was able to kind of persevere and go. I mean, he was no threat. I would think he's got a legitimate license to try to continue on the Triple Crown Trail. I don't know if they'll go to the Preakness. I would think the Belmont might be 
with some rest might be a good spot for him. But certainly, uh, as you say, with these days, it just seems the horses that I win the Derby now only have two or three preps. Uh, that that seems to be it. And uh, the last few years, it had been a horse with two. This year, with three. So, yeah, none of them, are, they really are all still babies as they come into this race. And they head for home in the Rebel in Uncontested and Malagasy, and they're pretty much even to the outside. And in the middle of the track goes looking at Lee and Untrapped, and here comes Untrapped outside of Malagasy. Malagasy has the lead. Untrapped going to try to gun him down on the wire. It's these two. Petrov is third. Malagasy, Untrapped. It is Malagasy to win the Rebel. Now, you talk about the Arkansas Derby and one of the horses that Classic Empire beat in that race, Malagasy, who had won the prior Arkansas race, the Rebel, is one of those who is expected to challenge Always Dreaming in the Preakness, having skipped the Kentucky Derby. And some of the others would be Senior Investment for trainer Ken McPeak, Cloud Computing for Chad Brown, who had a terrific Derby weekend in races not called the Kentucky Derby, by the way. He won a lot of races over that weekend. But what chance do you give a group of fairly fresh but perhaps half a cut below horses versus the Derby winner who is going to be a little more tired but certainly talented? Yeah, I think he has the edge over those horses. I think it's going to be interesting to see what does happen with Malagasy. Todd has both. Do you want to run against the Derby winner? Uh, Bob Baffert had that same situation uh, a couple of years ago with American Pharoah and Dortmund, and he did run both in the Breakness, in fairness to his owners. I'm just not sure. Malagasy didn't run in the Derby because uh, they just didn't think he was up to that. I don't think it might take much convincing to have him sit out the, the Preakness as well and point, point towards some other, other stakes that I think he'd be a much better fit for. Uh, the key, I think, is you need someone in the Preakness who's going to run with him. I don't think there's anybody who's going to run this horse off his feet. The only way he maybe gets caught up in the Preakness is does he get him involved in a very fast pace? And maybe someone like a senior investment who did a nice, nice closing job in the Lexington to get up by a nose, uh, and, and he gets a perfect setup for him. But for the most part, it seems like the horses, the key players who are going to chase him seem to have some speed, and I, I just don't think they're going to be able to outrun him. Uh, as I say, it's not just that he won the Derby. He won the Florida Derby beforehand very easily. He won this by daylight. This is a legitimately very good racehorse. Todd Pletcher, certainly in rarefied air. Mr. Bobby Halt, it is always a pleasure to talk Kentucky Derby with you. Thank you so much. Pleasure to always join you, Barry. Thank you. Our thanks to Bobby Halt, to Hannah Schlenk, and to all our wonderful interviewers. On the same day as the Derby was the English 2000 Guineas, the first leg of the British Triple Crown. The winner was Churchill, so now it's all about the Derby, where the winning team will reap eternal renown. Like most things here in the United States, horse racing comes from Britain, where it's been popular for over 400 years. No single person or world event has affected its cultural place. You tip a few, you bet, you say, well, cheers. But what will happen to the psyche of the Brits when it comes to racing, when Her Majesty the Queen is here no more? Elizabeth loves racing so much she occasionally visits some smaller tracks. She's what you'd call hardcore. But the Queen is 91, and her 95-year-old husband is ending his appearances in public view. None of the royals besides her appear to embrace the sport of racing. Will the populace follow and go away too? 
You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on that pink podcatcher app you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at The Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In The Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We'll see you next time.